everybody. Welcome to the John Reiner Podcast. This is episode two, and I'm calling it Body, Soul, and Gold Confetti. (laughs) I think naming things is one of my favorite part of this whole project. Yeah, Body, Soul, and Gold Confetti. But before we get to that, I want to say another word of thank you. Um, Man, we launched the John Reiner Podcast two weeks ago, and there was so much love, so much support, um, so much just positive feedback, not just from the people I know and friends and family and all that, um, but from people I've never met before. Uh, just reaching out and saying how much it, it, it meant to them, how much that first episode was, they just felt the story of their life. I mean, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I don't know everything is going to happen in this project and, and uh, you know, how far it's going to go, what we're going to do with it. But man, as long as we can bring life and inspiration, we're just going to keep on going. Uh, with that said, just another reminder, uh, if you want more updates about uh, projects that I'm working on, things that we're rolling out this year, you can go to thejohnreiner.com. Uh, look at the website, check out the blog, uh, and feel free to jump into the blog. Almost every one of these podcast episodes will have their own little blog post where you can jump into the John Runner podcast conversation. Uh, let me know what's going on. What, how are you responding to these episodes? What are the, what's it doing to you? How is it bringing you life? Yeah. So jump on there. Also, you can find me on social media, Facebook and Instagram, just search at the John Reiner and, uh, follow along. So, It is February 2021. Yeah, February 2021, which for a lot of people simply means I think that it's no longer 2020. And uh, man, what a year, right? I think eventually we'll stop talking so much about 2020, but I'm not sure we're quite there yet. (laughs) And I know that last year had uh, a lot of different responses from a lot of different people right? Um, Yeah, different people viewed it in different ways. Different people, um, you know, had their own response and reaction. For some people, it was uh, a year of anxieties and fear and isolation. And for others, it was a a year of enlightenment and, you know, looking at the things that matter. And and I think everyone was someplace in between. Um, So yeah, we are now two months past 2020. And I'm sure some of us are realizing how much that year impacted us, whether we realize it or not. Um, For me, uh, I realized that uh, I spent a lot more time on my phone than I normally uh, would spend (laughs) because our activities are somewhat limited, right? So I spent a little bit more time on my phone and on my phone uh, and on social media. I came face to face with the truth of this whole internet algorithm, right? The whole social media um, algorithm that the more you scroll on something, the more you click on something, the longer you watch on something, the chances are you're going to be shown more of that same thing. Yeah, so I know for some people, their social media feeds were filled with news and updates and insider reports and mass media and not the mass media and so on and so forth. Um, Luckily, (laughs) <laughs> I, my, uh, my social media feed was not filled with all the news. No, no, it was not. Uh, there is one thing that uh, took over by, uh, by a few months in. There's one thing that took over my social media feed uh, like nothing else, and it was uh, 
best of clips from the Got Talent shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the internet and uh, social media figured me out pretty quick. Uh, I don't, I don't watch these. You know these shows: uh, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, World's Got Talent, Spain's Got Talent. Uh, all of these shows, I don't watch them seasonally. Yeah, I don't. I don't sit there and watch them week to week and watch all of the, uh, you know, uh, all of the, uh, all of the shows, all, all of the bits. I don't. I don't watch all of them. Uh, I. I don't. You know, I don't watch all the auditions, and so instead, it was just my social media feed sending me all of these best of, best of, best of, and I would watch them. And my goodness, people, let me try to let me try to bring you into my experience here, right? So you're bored, um, you know, you're sitting around the house, you're doing something. You've you've already done so many projects, you've already worked on so much work outside of the office, you've already done so much that you can do, but uh, then the evening hits, or or you're in the bathroom, or you know, whatever it might be, uh, and so you know, you pull up the social media feed. So I pull it up and I would click on one and, uh, you know, they, they highlight, um, you know, oh, this new contestant and, and what are you going to be doing? And, uh, you know, singing or dancing or a musical instrument or, or, uh, a ventriloquist or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. And then they, uh, you know, they, they come walk out on the stage and you see it in the judges faces. Sometimes there's this automatic skepticism. Uh, who is this person? right? They seem a little young. They seem a little old. They don't seem like the type of person that is going to put on a good audition. They don't look like the sort of person that's going to go put on a good show. Oh, this person is going to sing Ave Maria. Not likely, right? You could see it in the judges' faces. There's this questioning. There's this skepticism. Yeah. And then, you know, this contestant, uh, the person who's auditioning, they kind of go into a little bit of their story. You know, why are you here? When did this start? Who are you with? Who did you bring uh, to the show today? And then sometimes they do a whole like B-roll side, you know, background story video, you know, and you see that, you know, they were, uh, you know, maybe they were bullied growing up or, uh, you know, maybe this is their last chance or or they've tried so many times and been rejected or, um, you know, they went through some uh, incredibly difficult diagnosis that year or whatever it, you know, whatever it might be. And so they go into this story and then that B-roll background video stops and, uh, you know, the judges say, all right, well, you know, good luck. And then everything goes quiet and you see the faces of the people in the audience, and they're all kind of looking at each other like, I don't know. I don't know that this person's got it. I don't know that this person's really going to come through, right? And uh, and then the music starts or whatever, you know, the act begins. And then within a few seconds, there's this shock on people's faces. I did not expect that voice to come out of that person, right? I did not expect that person to be able to dance in that way. I was not expecting that. I did not see that coming, but you see it in the face of the person, the contestant, the person who's auditioning. You can see that this is not just a song that they're singing, right? This is not just an act that they're doing. They are really putting themselves out there. They are really, um, you can see the emotion and the tension and the difficulty of getting to this point, right? And you can tell that they are putting everything out there halfway through the song. You know, they'll zoom to the backstage where the, the show hosts are standing there 
there, whether it's, you know, America's Got Talent or Britain got, Britain's Got Talent, whatever it might be. And, and then you see the the family member or the friend who's, you know, there with them or or they might, uh, you know, zoom in on someone in the audience, a family member who's sitting out in the crowd and, and that person is almost mouthing along the words because they've already heard, you know, their sibling or their spouse or their child sing this song so many times that they also know it. And there's this connectedness almost between those family members. You also see people in the audience who are not family singing along because there's a connection to the song. And then, and then it just begins to build and build and build. And then it's like the climax of the song and everyone is in shock. They can't believe what they're seeing. They can't believe what they're hearing. Right. And then the music stops. Yeah. And you can tell that this contestant, this person auditioning, just laid everything out there. Yeah, uh, regardless of uh, what was going on in their lives, um, you know, what health issue, you know, they or a member of their family are going through, uh, regardless of how many times they've been rejected or put down in the past, bullied, or or simply just, you know, criticized, um, they look physically exhausted you you know that they just left everything up there on the stage and there's this stillness for a split second yeah and then and then the room erupts I mean, the audience starts clapping. The judges look at each other dumbfounded. They start clapping. Maybe they even stand. Maybe the whole audience stands. And maybe this person that wasn't really uh, sure what response they were going to get, right, is both feeling alive and yet exhausted. And they're standing up there and everyone is clapping and everyone is yelling and everyone is shouting. And some people are in tears and some people are just so excited that they're getting the standing ovation. And then, oh, <laughs> And then the moment, the moment happens where in the midst of the applause and the judges clapping and everyone shouting and screaming, a judge will reach across the table. Are you following me here? They reach across the table and they slam down this little gold button that's been sitting in the middle of the judge's table. And then as soon as they hit it, everything goes to slow motion. And you see the face of the person auditioning and they just lose it. They are crying. They are shouting. They are jumping. They are falling to their knees. And there are family members in tears. And there are judges who are in tears. And the audience is screaming. And falling from the sky is gold confetti. And in this slow motion scene, over and over again, <laughs> during 2020, I am nowhere near, right? I'm nowhere near that performing arts center. I'm nowhere near that theater. Um, I'm watching something that has already taken place and maybe took place years ago. I am watching it. And yet, somehow, my friends, as I'm watching it and I see that judge hit the buzzer, I see the gold confetti fall, I see this contestant who is both exhausted and full of life, I see them melt down as if to say, I did it. I did it, right? I am seen. I did it. Um, I... I can't believe other people recognized it and the family members are crying and you see the mom and dad crying and 
I am watching it from my phone. And friends, it's like I got punched in the gut. I, for a split second, lose my breath and I start getting choked up. I start crying and it seems ridiculous. What is that? Right? And I think about that every time it happens because, of course, I keep watching them because it's such a beautiful thing to, to witness. But every time it happens, I still feel this punch in the gut and I start get teary-eyed. I start crying. I want to jump up and shout and clap and applaud this person, right, for, um, for this victory that they just had. But it seems ridiculous. And I say that to myself every time. Why am I doing this? Why do I have so much emotion about something that had nothing to do with me, right? It has nothing to do with me. Unless, yeah, unless it does. Unless it does have something to do with me. Unless it does have something to do with those audience members who are simply watching but not the one on the stage. Unless it does have something to do with the judges who are there to give a critique um, and yet they are overwhelmed with emotion. Unless it does have something to do with the other millions of people who have watched this audition, who have watched um, that song or that dance. Unless it has everything to do with all of us. It's not us, and yet has everything to do with us when the gold confetti falls. <laughs> and that reminds me of the day that an Orthodox priest in full black robe and habit made me a peppermint mocha in the mountains of Colorado. <laughs> I love stories. Yes, the day that an Orthodox priest in full garb made me a delicious peppermint mocha in the mountains of Colorado. In 2014, uh, 2013, I apologize, in 2013, I started seminary. If you're not familiar with uh, what seminary is, it's simply a fancy word for grad school for anyone who's studying, you know, theology, divinity, religious studies. Um, and Somehow, some way, I had been accepted into uh, the grad school, the seminary of my choice, like the first, the one highest on the list. And if you knew me, uh, you know, back in uh, middle school, high school, you never would have thought that I would ever even go to college, let alone grad school. And so there I was, I was driving out to uh, Colorado Springs, uh, living in Wisconsin, uh, but this particular seminary required that even though you could take classes online, you had to take uh, a handful, a certain number of them uh, on site. And so they offered these intensives, a week-long intensive graduate course. So you are in a classroom for 40-some hours that week, and you're getting your entire semester's worth of uh, classroom lecture time in that one week. Uh, and then you go home and you do all of your papers and assignments and projects and, and thesis and, and so on and so forth. And so this particular class, the first seminary class that I took um, with Fuller Theological Seminary in Colorado Springs, I used to have a campus out there, um, was on spiritual traditions and formations spiritual traditions and formations. And so uh, throughout this week, we did a, you know, a whole variety of things. We had a lot of lecture time actually in the classroom. We spent a whole day of silence and solitude uh, up in the mountains. 
at a, a spiritual care center. Uh, a lot of things were done. But on one day, um, we took the whole class to a local Orthodox church. And we met with the um, kind of high uh, priest, pastor, um, spiritual director, if you will, of that particular church. And he was an incredibly kind man, uh, long black robe, all of the habit and the garb of an Orthodox priest. And he spent the morning teaching us a different perspective of faith. He showed us the Orthodox belief systems. And one of the things that he taught us about was this true makeup, the formation, according to the Orthodox Church, of us as human beings. What does it mean to be human, according to the Orthodox Church? And up until that point, many of us had only really been exposed to our one way of thinking. And so this was both strange and exhilarating. It was academic and spiritual all combined together. But needless to say, he laid out the formation of us as human beings, according to this orthodox teaching, into three parts. He said, you have a, you're, you have a body. Yeah, every human being has a, a body. It's our form. It's our skin. It's our, our muscles and our tissues. It's our bones. It is the form that everyone sees first. Yeah, but then he, he went a little bit deeper and he said, there's, there's this idea of the flesh, and in the flesh, this word often used uh, is sarks, the sarks. And a part of it is just our appetites. It's our cravings. It's the thing that we naturally go to. It's the things that in, in some ways we need um, and things that are good, uh, but that can often get imbalanced. You know, it's the cravings that we have for our physical body. It's food. It's it's water, it's community and connection, it's sex, it's um, uh, all of these things, celebration, it's, it's the cravings within us, but can often uh, be imbalanced because it often only looks to take care of itself. The flesh, the sarks, the body, the physical form, the thing that everyone sees. Yeah. And then um, there is the soul, he said, the soul. Now, the soul is, is, uh, is more of what makes you specifically you, this priest told us. Yeah, it's, it's your decisions. We don't all make the same decisions. We don't always choose the same thing. Your soul is what is undeniably you, beyond your physical form, beyond the, the, the biology, the physiology and anatomy and everything. It's, it's, it's you. It's what you think is beautiful. Yeah, it's what sticks out to you. It's the decisions that you make. It is the thoughts that you have. It is it's the emotions that you live out, right? It is, it's the, it is the mind, the will, the emotions. It's what you see as beauty. And it's the decisions that we make to bring about the best end or option for whatever it is we're trying to do. I don't think we often realize we can put a whole lot of attention into our physical appearance, into our physical fashion and our style and our image, and yet more often than not, what makes us who we are <laughs> are our decisions and, and what we choose and how we build our character. And so much of that is built up into our soul more than it is necessarily our body. Our body is what gets displayed to the world, but the soul is our decisions. It's you. It's what makes me undeniably John Reiner, even though my flesh, my skin, my bones, my muscles may not be that different than any of you who are listening to this. My soul is what makes me me. 
It's what I value. It's what I dream. It's what I choose. Yeah, that's the soul. And then um, this incredible priest in the mountains of Colorado said that there's also this spirit. Now, as soon as you say spirit, some people check out because they don't feel, um, you know, particularly religious, or they don't really appreciate or like specific dogmas or religious creeds or institutions. And I hear you. I hear you on that. I know that not everyone is too keen on the idea of religion, but stay with me here. He said that there's something spiritual about all of us. There is spirit in us, and the spirit is the very source of life. Yeah, it's truth. It's that thing in us that we we sometimes just overlook in times too, to satisfy the craving, right, of the flesh, of the sarks, of the appetites that we have. But internally, so many of us have this idea of that just seems true. Something just doesn't seem right about the situation. Something just doesn't seem right about what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's the idea that I can just feel something or sense something. Even though there's nothing physically different about a situation or a person, you just feel something, you sense something. It's spirit. It's life. It is energy. It is source within us. That is the spirit. And in uh, the Orthodox teaching, they often use the word noose. N-U-S-E, noose, the noose. It's the spirit. Yeah. And if you will allow me, if we go back to that ancient Near Eastern story of Genesis, there is this account of uh, the divine, the God, the energy, the source, the life behind all other lives that he, uh, according to this Genesis account, he creates everything simply out of his words, out of this divine proclamation, this declaration of beauty, this song that sings everything into existence, right? Um, And then he gets to this last thing of creating, the last thing at the end of the line of creation. And this divine says, let us make something in our image. Let us make something a little bit more like us. And so part of that, according to the the teachings of the Orthodox Church and other religious uh, systems that look to this Genesis account, um, He creates something that can feel, something that can make decisions, not just simply based on primal instinct, but off of logic and reasoning, something that can think, something that has a soul, something that has depth to it. Creates something that can appreciate and sustain and create beauty. Something made in the image of the divine, the source, the energy that just spoke everything into existence. So making something that can also create and make all in the beauty of the soul of these human beings. He, according to this Genesis narrative, clumps together a bunch of dirt, forms it into an image. And then there's just this image. It's just a clump of dirt. It's physically there. And all the makeup is there to be something, to be um, an image bearer of the divine in this um, newly formed world. It's all there, but it's not alive. It looks apart. Has all the defining lines, 
contours, but it's not alive. And so, according to this Genesis narrative, this divine, this energy, this life, this God, takes this form that he made out of the dust, the dirt, the earth, Adam, is what the word means. And the divine breathes. Right? (laughs) And according to this ancient Near Eastern story, that is the moment when the Adam, the man, comes to life, is when it catches the breath of the divine. It catches the breath of the energy, of the life, of the source. It is filled with something beyond just its physical form. There is life now in this form. There is life in this being. There is life in this image bearer. There is body There is emotions and will to make decisions. There is a mind to think and use logic and reasoning. There is a soul, but now there is life. That that word, the ruach, the, the pneuma in the Greek, the air, the wind, the breath, the thing that you don't see and yet influences so much, the air, the thing that you don't see and yet you need to survive is breathed into this newly formed being called human, Adam. Yeah. And so this Orthodox priest is explaining this to us and saying how often our lives are ruled and measured by the flesh, the image, the thing that's on the outside, the thing that we want everyone to see, the the attention that we put most is into this flesh, the fashion, the image, the brand, the thing that we filter to put on social media, the thing that we want everyone to see as good and perfect and beautiful, and we chisel it in workouts and we starve it in diets, and we, we do so much to try to make sure that the image, the presentation is good. Not to, to belittle it. You know, the flesh, the body is an incredible gift. Take care of it. Yeah. But we put so much attention into it, thinking that is the source of our life. Or sometimes we, we hide away in our heads and, and we focus on our emotions and the will and the soul of who we are, which is so good and so great, and yet still forget that there is something that connects us on a deeper level. Yes, my body is my physical skeleton, my bones, my flesh, my sinews, my tissue, right? It is not yours. It is mine. My soul is what makes me uniquely me. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, from the very beginning, according to this Genesis narrative, there was something that linked all human beings together, and it was that breath, that ruach, that pneuma, that wind, that breath of the divine. And all too often, we don't focus on it. 
We can go through our lives and the busyness of our life, trying to keep up with appearances, trying to keep up with the busyness of our society, trying to spin ourselves in circles. Are you hearing me? We are so stressed at times and so much anxiety, keeping up with appearances, trying to do what we have to do to hide our insecurities. We have to work more and work more and produce more and produce more and go, 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 go. And all the while, the thing that truly makes us come alive is all too often dormant inside that breath goes missing and so after this day at the orthodox church we uh we headed to a coffee shop and what we as students didn't know is that there is this incredible coffee shop it's not there anymore as far as i know there is this incredible two level coffee shop uh in this old town colorado city outside of colorado springs and uh, and it was run. It was owned and operated by this Orthodox church and the priests at the church. Are you hearing me? So behind the counter are two or three, um, you know, either priests or aspiring priests in full black garb and and uh, and the whole habit of the Orthodox Church, and they are the ones whipping up all of these incredible cafe delights. And so this priest invited us to the coffee shop and uh, and one by one treated the entire seminary class, this whole graduate class, to whatever drink they would like. And so one by one, people are standing in line. One by one, they're ordering whatever their favorite drink was. And, and, and I am just soaking up this moment. I am. There is something beautiful about this moment. There's something odd and unique and hilarious about this moment. I have never seen a priest make, uh, you know, a macchiato before, but here I am witnessing it. <laughs> and I am just soaking in the beauty of this life-giving moment. Yeah, and so finally my turn comes, and, uh, and the priest turns to me and says, Okay, John. And he just had this mild, just mannered, like, just, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, so, John, yeah, what's it going to be? <laughs> and I said, I, you know, Father, I'm going to be honest, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what to do in this moment. Yeah. And I said, well, what are, you know, what are other people giving? And, you know, he, he listed off some of the, you know, the previous three or four orders that other people ordered. But he looked at me and said, but what about you, man? What do you want? What sounds good to you? Yeah, what what sort of drink is going to bring you life? <laughs> What's happening? What is happening in this situation? And I paused for a second, and there's only one drink I could think of. And don't get me wrong, I love the espressos and everything else, but if you're telling me what's one special drink, something I wouldn't normally otherwise get, what is what is something that's a little unorthodox for the orthodox priest, that was a terrible joke, um, to make me uh, in that moment. And, you know, depending on how far this podcast goes, you will quickly realize that I am a big lover of all things Christmas. And so I looked at him and I said, Father... Um, would it be really weird if I ordered a peppermint mocha? <laughs> a peppermint mocha. It's it's August when I'm taking this class, months before anything Christmas season. And I said, would it be weird if I ordered a peppermint mocha? And I wish I could describe the look on this Orthodox priest's face as he turned and he looked at me with the most kind face and kind eyes. He takes this big, deep sigh and he goes, oh. Great choice. Yes. 
Yes, John, I would love to make you a peppermint mocha. (laughs) And there I was in the mountains of Colorado trying to understand the depth of what he just taught us, that there is life, there is spirit, there is energy, there is ruach, there is pneuma, there is the breath of the divine, the wind, the thing that you can't see, and yet it makes you come alive. I'm trying to take this in as I'm also watching an Orthodox priest in full black garb make me a peppermint mocha that was absolutely delicious. And as I sipped it, I tried to realize what was so beautiful about this moment. And I think what it was is that I paused to take a moment to do something that brought me life. Yeah. I paused to take a moment to observe that everyone else was drinking something else that brought them life. And in that moment, we laughed together as a class. We talked about the whole day. We talked about the oddity of what just happened, that this priest made us these peppermint mochas. And then he joined us in our discussion. And in that moment, we had people from different traditions and different perspectives all at one time enjoying the moment of life as I sipped that peppermint mocha. And it makes me wonder about our world today sometimes and our lives today. I think the point of what he was saying and some of what he was saying is that we can't be driven solely by the idea of work and busyness and stress and anxiety and the image that we put out there. And I get it. So much of that is based in sometimes of our own just desire to be wanted, that desire to belong, that desire to be seen, that desire to be appreciated. Sometimes it comes from, you know, an insecurities and our fears that we won't be seen or that we won't be appreciated, that we'll only be criticized. We put ourselves out there and, and we sometimes just play the part. We put the best filter on. Yeah, or sometimes, you know, we get lost in our heads or sometimes we, uh, you know, it, we, we look at our own soul and we try to figure out who am I, right? Who am I? What makes me, me? And there's so much beauty in that. And there's so much beauty in the idea of, you know, our logic and our reasoning and ability to make decisions. And we go on these, these journeys of self-discovery and I think that's good and that's beautiful. But how often do we prioritize things that simply bring us life? that's unique to you. (laughs) I mean, if an Orthodox priest was making you a drink, what would you say? Yeah. Or, or if you had an extra two hours at the end of a night, what, what would you do? Or if you know that there's certain things that bring you life, do we prioritize it? Do we make time for it? Do we, do we ever gauge the health of that spirit within us? Yeah. Or are we only driven by something else? There is so much necessity for us to take deep breaths of that life, of that wind. And I can say from personal experience, we can go and go and go and go and go and never take time for that spirit within us. Never take time for that life within us. Yeah. So... What do we do? How is it that a contestant on a Got Talent show can punch us in the gut watching it on our phone? 
because I think if you'll hear me out on this, I think, I think there is some unique way that connects us as human beings. I think there's some unique quality, this spirit, this breath, this wind, this divine, this idea that we are all fashioned and formed according to this Genesis narrative in the form of the divine. There's something divine about our humanity. There's something that connects us. And so when we see um, on the opposite end of it, we don't see the gold confetti, we see injustice, we see hurt, we see pain, we see uh, loss, we see confusion, we see the diagnosis, we see people around us, whether we know them or not, that are going through hell on earth. It tears at us, or at least it should, because there's something that connects us to them. We recognize hurt in humanity. We recognize pain in humanity. We recognize um, loss in humanity, and we can identify with it, and we can, if we choose so, to empathize with it. We can be there because we see it in someone else, and it should break us. But there's also the positive side of this human, spiritual, divine connection that we have, all being created in the image of that energy, that source, in that when the judge hits that that golden buzzer and the gold confetti falls, we somehow are able to celebrate with someone else's story that's not our own. We can cheer with someone else's victory that's not our victory. And yet we feel it. We recognize that energy, that divine, that source in someone else, that wind, that ruach, that pneuma that just came alive and it, and it, it went past. Yeah. Listen to this. It goes, it goes past. It has to fight through the, the sarks, the image, the, if I, uh, what if I fail on the stage in front of everyone else? It has to fight through that. Yeah. That spirit within us, that noose, that divine, that energy has to push through that. It has to push through the decision that says, I am not sure. It has to push through the emotions and the decision and it puts itself out there. And in that moment, the spirit in us that connects us, that is placed within us by the very breath of divine comes to the surface and overcomes all other layers of the flesh and the soul and it puts itself out there and in that moment the judge hits the button and the gold confetti falls and we see it and we recognize it and there's almost this shared human experience in the spirit of all of it oh they won they fought and they overcame. We heard their story. We heard what they came from and they overcame and we can celebrate for them and we can cheer for them and we feel it for them. And there's this emotional response in us when we witness it that the spirit in them has won. Oh, they overcame and they're having their moment of victory and we can all recognize it. And I can't imagine the energy in that room as a whole audience recognizes it. If I can feel it in my home, on my phone, there is this shared spiritual response to the wind, the breath, the life, the spirit, the noose coming alive in another human being. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but it can be hard to do that sometimes if we're only caught in our own image. 
It can be hard to celebrate someone else's success if we think that their success limits ours. Yeah, it can be difficult to cheer for someone else if we think it takes away the cheers from us. Oh, if I celebrate them, then what if there's not enough celebration left for me? But friends, 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 what I need to learn, we all need to learn, is that I think perhaps one person's victory can be all of our victory. Is that when one of us succeeds, we all succeed as a shared human entity, divinely inspired, divinely breathed into. When one succeeds, we succeed and we can celebrate with them and we can cry with them. We can share their victory and we can, through empathy, share with their hurt and their pain because there's something divine about being human and there is something in the body, soul, and spirit of who we are as human beings that shouldn't drive us apart but should bring us together. Yeah, we should be able to celebrate gold confetti and peppermint mochas, and we should be able to come together and defend one another and support one another and have the energy and the feeling of other people's successes without being worried about whether it takes away from ours. So how do we best do that? Well, my challenge for myself, for all of us, is to somehow take time and prioritize those things that bring you life. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe when you read a book, you just come alive. You love it. You love diving into the story. Then you have to get out your calendar, get out your schedule, get out your phone and put times for reading. Maybe it's watching a movie. Maybe it's listening to music. Maybe it's something in the arts. You have to devote time for it so that that spirit can come alive in you and not be suffocated in the demands of a stressful and anxiety-ridden world. Do something that brings you alive. Maybe it's cooking. Yeah, cook a meal. Maybe it's people. Yeah, and, and so connect with one another. Yeah, if you're able to in person right now, then do it. If, if you're able to online, then do it. You have to connect with other human beings. Yeah, host an event if you're able to. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's about recognizing the thing that brings you life and making time for it. Because our society and our world won't always accommodate it. Sometimes it seems like we are on a fast track speed train that will never slow down and you either have to decide to prioritize things or it's just going to keep going. Yeah, so I think a part of it is recognizing what makes you come alive. Maybe it's a hot cup of coffee. You have to stop and have one and not rush through it, not pour it down your throat and burn your throat, right? It's about soaking in the moment of the present because the spirit is here. Yeah, that spirit of you is in the present moment. And so soak it up. Come alive with it. Yes, what makes you come alive? Maybe it's being outside. Maybe it's nature. Maybe it's hunting. Maybe it's being in the woods. Go do it. Maybe you're, maybe you're somewhere where there's a beach. Go sit in the beach. Maybe you're in the mountains. I am jealous of you. Go into the mountains. Go where your soul and spirit come alive, where you can feel that fresh ruach, that, that pneuma, that breath, that wind, that life, the thing that you can't see but somehow makes you come alive because it's in those moments. Do you understand those moments? It's, it's when you watch a movie. Maybe it's not God telling you. You watch a movie, you hear a song, you see a sunrise or a sunset, you look at the mountains or the ocean, and you have that <gasps> moment where something comes alive in you. 
oh, I caught you off guard. You weren't expecting it. It's that <gasps> moment. Yeah, the breath moment, the spirit moment. Friends, I think we're supposed to have more of those moments than we realize. I think they're supposed to bring us life and sustain us. I don't think they're supposed to be an oddity. I think they're supposed to be the driving force of who we are. Those moments of, I feel alive. Yeah, and when we feel alive, we can better um, celebrate the ones around us who are coming alive. But when we don't, and we're only focused on the image and the gold stars and the brand and the being known, when you're only focused on that and how many people are seeing me succeed and I'm terrified if someone sees me not succeed or, or how can I impress more people or how can I have more followers and we do all of those things, then really our heart gets so embittered almost with this sense of insecurity and jealousy that someone else is succeeding that it makes it very difficult to celebrate the life that they're having Oh, but when we prioritize it for ourselves, when we do the things that make our heart come alive, when we join together in community, when we see other people celebrating life, then, oh, beautiful moments, then we can not only recognize the life in us, but we recognize the life in them, and we collectively understand what it means to be human beings created in the image of this divine, this energy, this life, this source beyond all sources, and we breathe the fresh life of the Ruach together, the pneuma together. So if you like peppermint mochas, <laughs> drink a peppermint mocha. Yeah. yeah, if you like a walk in the woods, then take a walk in the woods. If you like to write, then write. If you like watching a movie that makes your heart come alive, then watch a movie. If you like community, then gather together in community. If you like writing or singing or whatever it might be, do it. Make your heart come alive and prioritize it. Surround yourself with positive people, folks. Surround yourself with other people who are on a journey of making their hearts come alive and not ones that are going to suck the life out of you. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a blog on uh, thejohnreiner.com about life givers and vampires. You can read that later. But there are some people in our lives that bring us life and some people who suck it out of us. So prioritize who you spend your time with. Prioritize the things that are going to bring you life and recognize that divine, that energy, those moments that catch you off guard of, <gasps> and spend more time doing them. And then, oh, celebrate with others. Celebrate with other people whose hearts are coming alive. Celebrate with others who are having their moment of victory. Celebrate with others who have overcome their difficulties and their insecurities and their fears to have their spirit come alive as well and celebrate with them so that we collectively can understand what it means to be human created in the image of the divine according to the Genesis story that we might together and collectively celebrate the body, soul, and gold confetti of this human experience. May you go and find life and appreciate it and be in the moment of it and don't let it pass you by and don't let your life be totally driven by this stress-filled work, work, work world, but soak in that life, that divine and celebrate it in others. May we understand what it means to be human. <laughs> this was episode two of the John Reiner podcast, Body, Soul, and Gold. 
gold confetti. Yeah, body, soul, and gold confetti. All right, folks. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to the John Reiner Podcast. Until next time, my friends. See you.